Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We're going to start reading in the book of Acts chapter 1 and in verse 4. And the Bible says that once he was eating with them, this is Jesus, and he commanded them, words in red now, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. John, the, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, what great timing to read that out. In just a few days, anybody aware of something great that's about to happen in, in just a few days? That's when Arise Conference begins. In just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I get a kick every time I get to read that verse out because literally right now, you are sitting in the ends of the earth. There is not a further geographical point on earth where people live from the city of Jerusalem than the nation of New Zealand. Is anybody in this building a witness of Jesus? Anybody excited that the Word of God comes? Yeah, we should praise God for just a second. You're allowed to praise God, you know. It's all you come to church for. Amen. In Acts chapter 2 and in verse 1, it says, So then on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. I think we got that one on lockdown. I understand what that's talking about. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, on each of them. And everyone, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. If you're going to build a great marriage, I think a great marriage, and whether you're single or married, you need to listen to this, that a great marriage is, you know, about two things, Johnny. It's about consistency and it's about moments. I felt like Johnny really needed to hear this today. I'm not sure why. It's about consistency and it's about moments. Jillian and I have been married for 21 years now, 21 and a half years, yeah. And every year of our marriage has been better than the one before. People will say that the first one is the hardest. I thought it was great. But then I realised that the second year was better and the third was better than the second and the fourth was better than the third. And it has continued to get better every year that we are in it. I have never known a deeper love for Gillian than I experienced today. Our marriage has never been better than it is today. But let me tell you something. You don't get to say that to people without having had seasons where you have to choose to be consistent. If a marriage is all about feelings, then feelings, deep feelings, need to get you into a marriage. And let me just throw out a caveat. If you're engaged or going out with somebody and there is not a really deep feeling in your relationship, then end it. Because you need to be madly in love with somebody if you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. But the moment that you get married, do not presume that feelings are going to be the ultimate ruler of that marriage once you get in it. Because feelings are fickle and feelings can fade and feelings can change. And if you allow your decisions to be shaped by your feelings, then your life is going to be a mess. 
But if you allow your decisions to come first and your feelings to come second, well, now you've got a great life. David talked about this in the Psalms. He said, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. I will yet praise Him for He is my King and my God. In other words, he's like, I'm not feeling it, but I'm still gonna be praising God because my decision will eventually determine my feelings. And when you decide, as we've decided, that every day of our marriage is a consistent day, I love you. It's not a feeling that I need to feel, it's a decision that I have made. Then feelings follow decisions. Do you know what I'm talking about? But a marriage can't just be about consistency. It's gotta be about moments. Write it down, Johnny. There need to be moments when that marriage is truly special, where you punctuate that consistency was something special. And in my marriage with Gillian, I try to make sure, I try to do my best to make sure that not only did I woo her before we got married, but I continue to woo her now. A little while ago, Gillian and I were, were rolling up to Brisbane Airport and we're catching a plane back to Wellington, it's back to Auckland, sorry, and then on to Wellington. And uh, every year in New Zealand gives me all these upgrade vouchers to get up to business class because the amount of flying that I do with them. And, and I, I hardly ever get to use them because strangely enough, there's no seats left. Everybody else has gone in ahead of me. And I think they do it just to tease you really. Well, strangely enough, when we're flying from Brisbane to Auckland, I noticed that we were on a seven, uh, 777 plane and, and it had a whole business class section on it. And I thought, man, I bet you there's some empty seats. So I went up to the counter and I said, could I use two of my upgrade certificates to put my wife and I up into business class? And the lady looked at the thing and she said, yes, you can. So I got the new tickets. Jillian's already got her boarding pass. And I rolled up to her like all swagger, you know. I'm the man now, I'm the man now. And I'm like, baby, I love you. You mean more than me than anything in the world. And I have upgraded your seat because I think you are the most beautiful woman and you are deserving of the best seat. Of course, every other time we flow and she hasn't been up there. But anyway, you know, I, and I gave her that, you know, ticket and we got on this plane and, you know, two and a half hours, two and a half hours we were sitting in these seats. They recline all the way down and people bring you drinks and, you know, you've got real food, not like decompressed food that kind of someone just shot full of, I don't know, stuff to make it look like food. And it was just the greatest thing. And we get to the other end and Jillian, as we're getting up to exit the seat, she's like, oh, John, that was awesome. Thank you. I, I really loved it. That was so nice of you. Thank you. And I don't know what happened, but it just came on me. It just came on me, Johnny. It just came on me. And I just began to sing. I just said, I can be your hero, baby. I will kiss away the pain. I will stand by you forever. You can take my breath away. And like I'm just singing to her. And you know, she's going shh, you know, the whole time I'm singing, but I promise you, she's told all of her girlfriends about that story. And I'll tell you why, because a marriage needs consistency, but a marriage also needs special moments. And a walk with God is in no way different to that. A, a walk with God is firstly and primarily about consistency. I follow Jesus, not just because He gives me good days. I follow Jesus when it's a good day and when it's a bad day. When it makes sense and when life doesn't make sense, I'm still a follower of Jesus. Job said, though He slay me, yet will I praise Him. That's the kind of faith that you and I need. 
a faith that says, I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. If you've got that kind of faith, give God some praise right now. Yeah, it's the kind of faith we need. But our walk with God and God's desire for us is not just that we walk a walk of blind obedience, but there are moments in our Christian, our Christian journey where we have a special moment with God. We're reading this morning about probably the most important moment that any people ever had with God in the history of the world. The day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit literally descended in such power that these apostles and these disciples were filled with the power of God, the early church was birthed, and the world continues to be impacted by what took place in an upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But I want you to know that it is in no way inconsistent with the whole canon of Scripture and with the course of human history that God does indeed give to people special moments. And my own walk with God is about consistency. But man, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that in my journey of following Jesus, there have been moments. I remember going to a conference when I was 19, having one moment in one meeting with God, and I've been doing this or getting ready to do this every day of my life since. One moment changed my life. I can think about other moments walking on a beach when God spoke to me about a rise. Two beaches actually, one in Spain, the other in Lyle Bay. I know which one I'd probably rather walk down, but anyway, <laughs> Lyle Bay, of course, of course. But you know, and, and God spoke into my heart about what is now, you know, Arise Church. Those moments have been as key as the consistency. The consistency comes first, but the moments are important. And we're getting ready for a Rise Conference. And I want you to know that the God that you worship doesn't just want you to be a consistent believer. That's a foundation. Now listen, every Christian needs to be consistent in their decision to follow Jesus. And as we're preparing for conference, let me tell you that God also does give us three calendar things that we need to be consistent about as believers. Number one, if you're a Christian, you need to be calendar consistent about the fact that church is a weekly priority. I believe many Christians are living beneath God's best for them in their life because church is optional. If you wanna radically change your life, make church no longer an optional part of the weekly calendar, make it a non-negotiable. Should we go to church? No, 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 that's not a question. How will we go to church? That's the question. How will we shuffle everything else around that unwavering part of our priority? We go to church on Sundays. Second thing that every Christian needs is they need a small group of people that they do life with. We call them life groups around here. And the reason why is because you come to church for inspiration, you get together with others for a community, for fellowship and for transformation. That's where your life's gonna get changed. Where you're gonna grow and become the person God wants you to be. And then when you read the Bible, you'll also discover that God always, from the beginning of the Bible all the way through, talks to people about a period of time annually where you spend time in God's presence. In the Old Testament, they are called festivals. In our New Testament, well, sorry, in our 21st century Christianity, we call it conferences. But this is in no way a new thing. Israel, even in the New Testament, the reason why the day of Pentecost was so key was because it was their festival moment when the city was literally thronging, love that word, thronging with Israelites from all over Israel and all over the world who would come together for their annual conference. 
And friend, if you want God to do something great in your life, then come to church every Sunday, go to a life group at least once a month, if not once a fortnight or a week. And I believe you and I need more than 90 minutes on a Sunday. We need an annual moment where we give God a few of our days. You, we, we need it, we need it because we need to cease our ordinary work. We need to connect with God. We need to get the fullness of His Spirit on the inside of us and something special happens. You know it, don't you, that a microwave meal tastes okay, but when you get Anthony's, you know, slowly, I, I'm not sure what the name is, but he has this thing that he makes the meat in for literally several days. It is like the best meat you've ever had in your life. And you think my sermon today is great. Wait till you get the one I've got at conference or the one you're gonna hear on Friday night or Saturday night. When you've been in the presence of God, you think worship is good at 9.15 on a Sunday morning. Wait till you get into an environment where people have been in it for days. There's a richness and a depth and it'll take our walk with God to a whole nother level. And let's be real clear. Your walk with God is the most important thing in your life. Hello? Hello? There's only two things eternal, God and people. Whatever else you prioritise above God and people in your world is a mistake. It's a mistake. The Bible describes it as wood, hay and stubble that on the final day it will be burned with fire. But people and God are the gold, silver and precious stones that endure forever. The two eternal things in this world is the person sitting on either side of you and the God that you're worshipping right now. Those are the only two eternal things and therefore they must be the two most important things. Hello? And as we're gathering on this conference Eve, I really believe that God is wanting to do something special. And I promise you that God has got a moment for each and every person at this conference. Oh man, even as I'm reading it out this morning, I love the promise that came that said on each one of you. And then the Bible says on every one, there came the Holy Spirit and each one began to speak with another language. The Holy Spirit will come on all of you and each one. And I believe that every single one of us is destined by God for a special moment with Him. Moments, moments, moments. So I wanna talk to you this morning about seven things that I believe you and I need to do if we're gonna prepare for our moment. A moment with God. I mean, even before you have a moment on a date, you know, Johnny, you're supposed to shower, Johnny, and you know, you're supposed to put on a good shirt and... I'm just teaching you and make up a playlist on your iPhone you know, that, that your employer so graciously you know, allowed you to have. Um, you know, need to make sure, you know, Liam, that you open the car door for Kayla and close it again. There, there are things that you do even when, you just, you know, when you're on a natural date. Well, how do you prepare not just for a, a date with your wife, but how do you prepare for a date with God? How do you prepare for a moment for something special? Well, there's seven things I wanna give them to you this morning. And number one, I believe that we need to make sure that if we're gonna have a special moment with God, that we prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our heart. Um, my son, Will, he was in the, first, in, in the service in the city sitting there and it's, it's always cool when your kids start being present when you're telling stories about them. It's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a bit of a killer bit. But, but um, you know, he, he is 10 years old and he's just discovered now when he is completely filthy. It is a new revelation to a 10 year old boy when dirt is covering every part of his physical body. Does anyone have a, a child like this? Like, 
six years old, like they're just crazy, little kids. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. And you know, the thing is about him, when he was younger especially, it's like, and, and why is it that every piece of food that you, you know, little kids seem to like is stain producing? What is that about kids that they like like, you know, gravy and they like spaghetti bolognese. They should call it stain bolognese. Like it just, you know, just nothing gets that stuff. It's the perfect chemistry of oils and tomato. Let's get red oil and feed it to children. What a great idea. I went to buy Will some new t-shirts for conference and I nearly bought him a white one. Jillian's like, don't even bother, it's gone. Like week one, we're throwing it out. You know, get him a black one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, I don't know why I thought that was funny. You, you did. And he would eat this food and he would just be covered in this filth, like just crazy stuff. And then there's always somebody who lets that kid out of their seat, you know? Like they're in a high chair, they're three years old and some teenager's like, he wants to get down, just let him down. It's got, they've got like Vegemite and spaghetti bolognese and gravy like all over every extremity of his body. And the little kid is now demon possessed and he's just running across the ground like, heading straight towards the one couch or chair or curtain that happens to be largely white or of a pale color. Does anyone, anyone empathize with this? Yeah. And then you kind of like jumping up from wherever you are and you're tackling that child before the stain becomes indelibly imprinted, you know? And then you like, you know, grab that flannel or whatever is available pretty much, um, the extra curtain and just smothering <laughs> smothering their face, not enough that they go blue, but enough that you hopefully get the stains off their face. You know what I'm talking about? Just to get them like free and so then you can let them go. And isn't it amazing how they just don't seem to realise that they need to get clean? And I began to think about that because sure, as we become adults, we become aware when there's muck on our face, but you still need a friend sometimes to tell you. But how much more important is it that you and I think about our hearts and consider whether there is some muck on there that needs to get cleaned up? You know, one thing I know attracts God to a group of people is when they're in right walk with one another in Him. The Bible says when people dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. And I don't wanna go through a RISE conference feeling like we could have encountered God, but we didn't. I wanna go through an amazing time where a group of people are ready to meet with God and He does something life-changing in our midst. Who's with me? I believe that we're gonna step into a place where God is gonna do something powerful and life-changing and a way that we could help God would be that we would take a look at ourselves. And we ask, man, where is, there, where is there a broken relationship? Or where is there where is there a judgment about a person? Or where is there bitterness? Or where is there just an independent attitude? Let's search our hearts, purify our hearts. The Bible says in Psalm 23, who may ascend the Lord's holy mountain? That's your conference moment. When we get to annually go up, to Jerusalem, that's what the mountain is, when we get to annually go to the festival. When we're going to conference, who gets to really step into the presence of God? And then it makes it really clear, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. For Will, it might be getting his hands clean, but how about for us? We, we take a look. Where have I become cynical? Where do I look at passion and I call it hype? Where do, where do I dismiss the Word of God? Where have I just you know, gotten bad attitudes. 
Where have I become an independent Christian? Where have I dropped the standard of my spirituality? How about before we get to conference, we decide that we're gonna get in the right place before our God so that He can really do something great in our lives. Purify our hearts. Number two, we need to position our intent. Position our intent. I, I, I wanna explain what I mean by this. There was, there was a man uh, when Jesus, in the Gospels, there's a story of a man who was sitting on the side of the road and he would have made a great Arise Conference delegate. The Bible tells us about him, that he's sitting on the side of the road and he is literally yelling and he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, I was just in the city campus and Pastor Ben Carroll was up on stage emceeing the service after a really tight Hurricanes game last night. By the way, is anybody in this auditorium just really, really happy after a great Hurricanes win last night? Any Crusaders fans out there today? It's, it's Hug a Crusaders fan today, Hug a Crusaders fan. I love, love, love the Hurricanes and I possibly love even more than I love the Hurricanes. I love beating the Crusaders. I, I hate the Crusaders. I, I actually think it's an issue in my life. I think I have unforgiveness, but I just hate them. They are the worst winners in the world. They can lose for years, start winning, and then they're like, of course we're winning. We're the Crusaders. We're, what have you been for the last five years? I mean, 2008? I mean, you know, we're in 2016, guys. Come on, but anyway, I'm sorry, I'm so bad. I'm not sorry at all. Five years. Look, they can even count them. Like it's an expectation that it's an annual affair. It's not an annual affair. I've got the microphone, you haven't. I hate the Crusaders. I say that out loud with a penitent heart, but Ben, not at all. Ben was at, it's still an issue, God needs to work with me. Ben was at the game last night, then he was at the church service this morning, and by the time he got up to MC after yelling at the Hurricanes, and then I'm, sh I'm sure yelling during worship, he was on stage MCing the service, just now sounding a lot like this. And I said, man, I love that. I think that God doesn't want you and I to be socially conservative. He doesn't want us to be like passive little weak people. I, I can tell you, I've preached all over the world and the hardest people to preach to in all the world, I feel sorry for the people who are right now, please, I'm not judging you. But when people sit back like this, it's just really hard to preach the Word of God. But when you're a passion, listen, let me tell you something. People are like, oh, well, John, that's my personality. No, it's not. You were yelling last night at the rugby. You were yelling last night at the rugby. And now you're trying to put it in the guise of your personality. No, no, I'm on to you, man. I'm on to you. You're a liar is what you are. Hypocrite. You just don't think it's manly to be you know, passionate about God. It's manly to be passionate about the rugby, but not passionate about God. There is no stronger man than the man who is more passionate about a God than he is about his sport. The greatest man in all the world, the strongest man in all the world is the man with the greatest passion and love for Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, keep giving God some praise, man. Oh. This guy's sitting on the side of the road and he is a great Arise Conference delegate. He is like, Jesus, Jesus. And, and by the way, just remember that Jesus walks straight past him and then he's like, I just can't ignore this guy. What, what I learned from that is some people are ignorable. Don't think for a second he was the only blind person on the side of the road. 
But Jesus was attracted to something. But even then, he turns to the guy and he says, hey, hey, let me ask you a question. Before I say the question, can I give you a little hint? The guy's blind, okay? <laughs> and to a blind man who's screaming on the side of the road, Jesus poses this question. What is it that you want me to do for you? I really like some feelings. I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think God wants to do for him? He wants God to do for him. But the truth is, my friends, that Jesus was saying, hey, listen, for a miracle to happen in your life, you need to, you need to be intentional. Now, I believe that God's got a moment for each and every one of us at conference. But let me give you three words, and I, I wrote them down this morning. Specific, intentional, and deliberate. As we're getting ready for Rise Conference, I want to encourage every person here to be specific, to be intentional, and be deliberate. Ask God for something. Position your intent. Go into this conference believing that God does want to do something great in your life, and you're able to articulate it. Man, one, this is probably the most important moment in our church calendar, by the way, to be part of a life group. And if you're not in a life group, when you exit this auditorium, go straight to the life group stand and ask about a life group that might be right for you. Because this week, all over Wellington, people are gonna gather in life groups and they're gonna pray for one another for what they're believing to happen at a RISE conference. Then we're gonna go to the conference together. And if you want conference to be really special, go to conference with your life group. Go with your life group. And then when you're there, rather than spending the whole conference praying for what you want God to do for you, pray for four other people for what they want God to do for them. Because the generous person will be blessed, amen? But you know, as we go into this conference season, I believe that God's got something amazing for us. But as we go into this conference, let's make it our goal that we're going into conference believing for something. Position your intent. Number three, ignite your faith. If we're gonna have a moment with God, then one of the most important things that we can do is ignite our faith. Because my friends, it takes faith for the miraculous power of God to touch our lives. There's another man, another blind guy, that was asking Jesus for a miracle. And here's, here's the second story. The guy is brought before Jesus. Again, he gets Jesus' attention through his passion. And then he stands before Jesus and Jesus has a question for this guy. Here's his question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? You know, I don't think for a second the guy was yelling on the side of the road because he didn't believe. But you know what? If you and I are gonna get a miracle from God, there is something about it where faith has gotta be active. The moment that you stepped into this world, unbelief was your default setting. There's only one way faith is really the occupant of your heart and that is consciously, deliberately. We have to activate our faith. One of my great friends and heroes, Phil Pringle, talks about the faith switch. And I think that we as Christians need to turn that on. As we're getting ready for conference, we need to switch on our faith. If Jesus walked up to us in the middle of conference and said, do you believe that a visitation of God could happen in this place? Do you think this worship could be filled with the angels? Do you believe this Word could inspire you? Do you think this ministry time could heal a sick person? I want us to be able to say, yes, Lord, we believe. 
I've shared this story a couple of times over the last few weeks, but one of my dear friends in our Christchurch campus came to a Rise conference uh, two or three years ago with only months left to live. He had a bag on the outside of his body where his, you know, uh, well, his urine, I, I, I don't mean to be gross, but you know, he couldn't, didn't have toiletry functions. He was uh, cancer, he was dying. He's a very wealthy business guy and he was traveling the world, ticking off his bucket list. He came to a Rise conference and on the opening night, Phil Pringle, who's the boldest man I know, said, I wanna pray for every person who's sick, especially if you're dying, get out here on stage. Opening night, media are there. I'm like, oh dear God in heaven. So my friend jumps up on the stage, but he stands right at the very back. He's, he's got gray hair, he's conservative, he's right at the back, he doesn't wanna stand out. Phil points straight at him, number one. Says, you there at the back, I need to pray for you. Number one, first cab off the rank. My friend comes forward, Phil prays for him, he goes down into the power of God. Phil says, stand him up again. Prays for him a second time, stands him up again. Phil still hasn't asked him what's wrong with you, but he just declares over him, you're healed. Well, you know, I had dinner with him probably about four or five weeks ago. There is no trace of cancer left in his body. He is alive. The hospital doesn't want to see him for two years before his next checkup. I'm here to tell you that if God can heal a terminally ill person with a colostomy bag at a Rise conference, that God can turn up in your life and do something supernatural and life-changing. The God that we worship is a God of miracles. Come on, if you believe it, let's give God a great shout of praise. Amen, amen. Come on, come on. Do you believe? Position your faith. Number four, eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Um, a new theme of my messages in our, in our smartphone dumbed down, smartphone dumb mind time is, is the story of Mary and Martha. I never used to preach on it, but I preach on it a lot these days. And the reason why is because at the end of the day, Mary and Martha both were privileged by the same opportunity. Jesus physically turned up. Now, I'm in ministry today because when I was 19 years old, the power of God touched me in my parents' lounge room and I asked myself a question, what would I do if Jesus physically turned up? Because I thought that was a literal possibility. It never did, but he did. To Mary and Martha, he did. Jesus was there, right there, right there. And Lazarus was Martha's brother and he was dead for three days and Jesus raised him back from death to life again. And that Jesus was there. And the Bible tells us that Martha was distracted by much serving. Roast meals to cook, stuff going on, things that were occupying her mind. We are about to step into conference and let me just tell you guys, I'm not hyping this up. God can do something in your life. He wants to give you a moment. But let me tell you something and I think you already know this, right when you're stepping into the most powerful time when God wants to speak to you, you're gonna get a bup bup on your phone and it's gonna be a work email and it's gonna be pressure and it's gonna be activity and it's gonna be thinking and you're gonna be like, oh, all out over here. Right when the word is preaching, someone's gonna text you and say, where are we going for lunch after this? If you want to dissipate the ability of God to minister in your life, then enter his presence with a phone that is activated but if you want God to do something great in your life. Yeah. 
The Bible tells us that in our hearts we should set apart Christ as Lord. I just think we should probably give that a modern translation. In your conference experience, set aside your time as being in the room. Are you ready for a freaky challenge? I'm not sure you can handle it. How about you put your phone on flight mode during the word? How about you don't look at Facebook during a conference session? How about we care more about God moving than we do about lunch dates? I tell you what, man, we need, to re- we need to arrest this. We've written a whole new chapter of social etiquette without ever defining a good and a bad. We need to arrest this and b- bring it back and to say, the phone makes a great servant but a lousy master. I'm not on call when you want me on call. I'm on call when I decide to be on call. We need to make a decision that if God is speaking to me, you can get the beep beep of my answer phone. Leave a message because the Lord is speaking. How about we make a decision to eliminate some distractions? Come on, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Number five, I've no idea what it is, but we've got two minutes left. I'm gonna jump straight to number six, banished out. Number five, by the way, was rekindle your calling, but you'll have to get the notes later. But number, number six is banished out. As we're getting ready to step into a moment with God, the very nature of a moment with God is that it requires the supernatural. Now that's a challenge right there. But the only way you became a Christian is because you acknowledged the supernatural reality of God. Now then what tends to happen is that Christians become doubting believers. And if we're not careful, we had a salvation supernatural experience followed by an ordinary life, followed by a life in heaven. And I don't believe for a moment that God wants you and I to be doubting believers. I believe that the same supernatural reality of God that saved you is the same supernatural reality of God that wants to meet with you at this conference and give you a special moment. I am personally believing that God is gonna call people to the ministry, that lives, and by the way, I'm not just talking about 19 year olds, I'm talking about 35 and 45 year olds. I believe God is gonna ignite faith, rekindle a calling. I believe we're gonna see the manifest power of God. We're gonna experience an incredible time with Jesus. I believe God's got something great for us. And as we're clarifying our intent, as we're switching on our faith, let me talk to you for just one minute as the band come and join me about the destructive power of your doubt. Because it's right when you get to the point where God is wanting to do something great in your life that your mind goes the craziest. Why? Because the devil doesn't want supernatural change coming to your life. The devil doesn't want you and I to get anything from God at this conference. So right when God starts to move, that's gonna be the moment when crazy thoughts are gonna begin to well up within us. Anybody know what I mean? You're lost in worship for the first time and then you're like, oh, it's just hype. Anyone know what I mean? Did I say it too quickly? You get lost in worship and just you're thinking, wow, God is here. A thought comes through your head. You've just allowed hype to influence you. That's emotionalism. That's this, that's that, whatever. Doubts, doubts. God's called me. No, He hasn't. You're worthy. No, you're not. 
doubts. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Can you give me a little? You know, the Bible says that when we're asking God for things in James chapter one, it says, when you ask, believe and do not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea and they're driven and tossed by winds. That sounds very horrible to me. And then it says, let not that person expect that they would receive anything from God because they're just double-minded and they're unstable, unstable. So the way we get stability is we choose not to doubt. Now you should doubt the weather. (laughs) We've seen it this week. You should doubt the economy. You should doubt a lot of things. You should doubt yourself for sure. But one thing you should never question is the love of your God, His reality and His desire to meet with His people and the authentic presence of Jesus is something that we should never doubt. Come on, if you believe that, could you give God some praise? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.